to the Infernal Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. Today we're talking about the change. And I don't mean menopause. (laughs) Or changes. (laughs) Changes. Changes, roadblocks, uh, moving of the goalpost. We're talking about when your plan gets deterred. Which happens... All the time. Pretty much all the time. (laughs) In fact, in our last episode, I think at the end we said, in the next episode, we're going to talk about IVF. In fact, I know we did. And we're not. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. So this is your lesson that sometimes the plan changes. (laughs) And before we get going, I guess I will clarify this. I'll just start out with the business first, if that's okay with you. It is okay, as long as I make sure I get out there that I didn't do that on purpose to you guys. When we recorded the last episode, we were going to do IVF. And then I realized that our episode outlines were out of order. (laughs) So it's not... My point is, we're not actually trying to teach you a lesson. It's really my stupidity. You know, I made a mistake. Oh, it's fine. But it is okay. Does it anyone is, it really is, care? No, because it fits in with this topic perfectly. Because you think the plan is going to be X, Y, Z, and then it all goes to shit. That's true. <laughs> so, my business item from the last episode. I feel like this probably made someone somewhere mad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Because people are getting mad now. Um, (laughs) I said, I have a designer baby inside of me. (laughs) And I was making a joke and referencing the 2015 comments made by the designers at Dolce & Gabbana. Dolce & Gabbana. And how they I caught were... your reference. Yeah. So I was comment I was making a reference to that being sarcastic because they said that children conceived through IVF were synthetic and they weren't even sure they were real people or something. I can't remember. Yeah, but... they said something really bad that really pissed off. A lot of IVF community specifically. Yeah, a lot of people. But it pissed off a lot of people because... Not even just the IVF community, like um, gay couples looking to adopt or Mm -hmm. use surrogates. They they just made a lot of people mad. And I was referencing that. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that babies made through IVF are designer babies. No. No, we don't think that. So, just want no, I just want to clarify that. That's good. I'm glad anyway, you, I'm glad you made that clarification that you didn't need to make, but thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, our other items of business are just more corrections. <laughs> so, or not really. They're like additions. So, I have two additions from episode 22, the turkey baster method. Uh, because that episode brought up a lot of questions in our mind. Um, 
and in fact, it it <laughs> sparks a lot of things, <laughs> which we will talk about in out of the box. Yes, because it about... is a doozy. Yeah, it's a doozy. So stick around for out of the box. Um, but the the additions to that episode are number one. We talked about sperm washing. Which, by the way, I was not wrong. It is a centrifuge that, whoosh, like a salad spinner almost, that washes sperm. Or, <laughs> or like one of those rides where the people stand up. <gasps> yes. In a circle. Yes. Yeah. But just imagine if you were like in the center rolled up in a ball, you would just whoop, fly right out of there. You have to be, a, you have to be the perfect shape. It's like a merry-go-round. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're not holding on, you're going to fly off and get your exactly. hair stuck underneath. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It happened to a girl when I was in oh. kindergarten. Oh, no. That's a bad thing to happen. That's why they don't make merry-go-rounds anymore. You don't see them on playgrounds. Yeah. They're too dangerous. They're too dangerous. <laughs> um, but I was glad that I was not wrong about the centrifuge, the sperm washing. But the other thing we talked about was whether or not sperm banks use or sell washed and unwashed sperm, which they do hmm. sell both, which I thought was, we were, I was like, why would they sell unwashed sperm? Because it seems like, anyway. Isn't it weird to think about people selling sperm? Well, it, yeah. <laughs> I got some hot sperm over here. Yeah. Get your hot sperm. Get your hot sperm. Do you think like you think you could buy it on the street in Vegas the way they sell anything on the street? Oh right, you haven't been to Vegas. Shoot. But as it turns out, sperm banks do sell washed and unwashed sperm because some it depends on your motivation. If you're wanting to do at-home insemination, like what we talked about, intracervical insemination, uh, you can just buy unwashed sperm. So that uh, the other sperm can use the, like, not good ones to, like, climb on. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's cheaper because it hasn't had to go through the process of being washed. Oh, yeah. But if you're purchasing it for the use of doing an IUI at a fertility clinic, even if you purchase unwashed sperm, they are then going to wash it because every single IUI that's performed in a fertility clinic, I th think is, at least that's what I was reading, they will they will only use washed sperm. But do they want to wash the sperm themselves or do they? Well, that's interesting that you asked that, Sarah, because it said it depended on the fertility clinic. Like if you go in there like a single woman, uh, I want to, you know, I'm going to go to the sperm bank and get the sperm. They might tell you, okay, buy it unwashed because we want to wash it here in our lab. Or they might say, just buy it washed. We'll just stick it right in. So she <laughs> would bring it in herself? It wouldn't? No. We need more the, information about this. Uh, sperm bank, I'm sure some sperm banks work directly with some fertility clinics, but they're pretty much like entities in, you know, like I thought that the entities. sperm bank would send the sperm to the fertility clinic and you'd show up and they'd be like, here it is. Well, that might be the case in some places, but I I know that you anyone can just walk into a sperm bank and buy sperm. Is so. it buying sperm or is it 
getting yes. donated sperm. Well, it's buying donated sperm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're just we posed that question, and as it turns out, sperm banks do sell washed and on and unwashed sperm, depending on your situation. Depending on what variety you would like, or what depends strain. on what kind of sperm you want. It's like going to the do marijuana you want dispensary. Dirty sperm, or do Ooh, you no. want clean sperm? I would like it washed, please. <laughs> I like my sperm squeaky clean. <laughs> and, then, and then the other one was you asked like about IUI. Has it been happening? Because we talked about the guy who totally botched it in the U.S. That was in, in the, the 18, 1800s. Though. In, sometime in the 1800s. And you were like, well, did they do it like anytime since then in the 40s and 50s, etc.? Yes, they were doing it, but it was pretty rare. And it wasn't until like around the 1970s when sperm banks started becoming very commercial. That's when sperm banks started to pick up speed (laughs) was in the 1970s. And that's when the practice of IUI became much more standard. It became more studied. It became more like they started to perfect it in the 1970s. So Because of the sperm banks. Because of the sperm banks. So we have sperm banks to thank for our... uh, precision with the intrauterine insemination well for our medical advances in the fertility industry yeah so thank you sperm banks yeah and thank you men for giving your sperm (laughs) thank you guys for jacking off (laughs) okay moving on to feelings on waiting and roadblocks and sudden changes and surprises to your plan. We asked you guys uh, what that's like because it seems like it happens so... It seems like it happens at least once to every person that's going through fertility treatments. Or a Uh, lot. Or many more times than once. On your situation. Yeah, it seems like things rarely go according to the, quote, plan. Um, so before we get into your comments, the most common responses that we got from you guys of things that like held you up or caused a change in your plan, etc., was finances. I'd say that was number one. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, unexpected diagnostics. So you're moving along and then all of a sudden you're hit with something you didn't even know was the thing that you had or your husband had or your partner had or just any something that wasn't unexpected. Um, and then the third one that was pretty common was miscarriages setting people back, which is understandable as well. Because so. do you have to wait a cycle in between miscarriages or do people... Uh, miscarry and then go on to the next cycle i think it depends uh i know that typically after a dnc if you end up needing a dnc for a miscarriage i think the wait time is sometimes longer it also depends on when you miscarried and the circumstances around it um and then really (laughs) the emotional impact of a miscarriage Sometimes you are just nowhere 
like emotionally ready to try that again. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons why miscarriage can kind of hold you back. And especially if you've like gone through, uh, fertility treatments and then have a miscarriage, then you you want to know why this happened. So you might do some more fact finding and that might also delay you. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things around miscarriage that could change your plan. Thanks for explaining that to me. <laughs> I'm You're just, welcome, thank, yeah, thank you. I, I really mean that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. That was sincere. Oh, I love you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a weird mood tonight. And you'll know why it, during uh, Out of the Box. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing that's throwing us off. We don't normally record at night. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that too. There's that too. So I do have a, I have I have two liquids in front of me. <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have a glass of wine, and I have a glass of water. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Did you turn the water into wine? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> That'd be no. a neat party trick it would wouldn't it you'd be the life of the party everywhere you go (laughs) (laughs) anyway sorry anyway (laughs) i do not have any liquids in front of me (laughs) we're gonna get into your comments guys about your thoughts or like things that have held you up and what that's been like all right so so go for these are from facebook First off, uh, this first one's from Micah. She said, the general waiting for docs to figure out what is wrong with you in the trying different medicines to see what works and what doesn't, waiting to decide whether or not to do an IUI, just all the waiting, so much waiting, waiting to pee on a stick, waiting for a new cycle to start because you figured the last one probably didn't work, waiting, waiting, waiting. It's enough to make a person go crazy. I try so hard not to be neurotic, but sometimes it's impossible to avoid. Yep. I put that one up top because I but felt like... What? Yeah. Didn't she say that she also does Eastern medicine type things now to like chill out? Because she's waiting for her appointment with an RE. Yeah. So now yeah, she's, she's doing like acupuncture and... Yeah, she's doing some Chinese medicine. Um, but I felt like her comment was just... I felt like it was a good one to put at the at the beginning because it's just the general, like, waiting, waiting, waiting for something is, like, a general theme, it seems like, with infertility. You're, like, hurry up. And you're hurrying up to wait <laughs> for something. That's how I feel wedding planning is. <laughs> yeah. You have to do something all at once, and then you wait. Yeah. <laughs> for the next thing, and then it's stressful, and then you're waiting again. Yeah. But she's right. They're every. It doesn't even matter what, what, point you are in the, treatments, or There's, not doing treatments, just or like not doing TTCing. Exactly. There's like, so much so waiting. So we did it. Now we wait. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I ovulated, <laughs> and then you're waiting, waiting. Mm-hmm. 
And then what if you don't get your period? You're like, am I pregnant now? And then it's just. And then, and then you're hoping and praying that you don't get your period because you're pregnant. But then when you realize you're not pregnant, you're like, hurry up. Yeah. Period come, you know. (laughs) What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. So much waiting. (laughs) The waiting never stops, guys. No, it doesn't. So I felt like that was a good one because it's just like the general theme of waiting is very prevalent with trying to conceive. Uh, The next one is from Billy. She says, we hit hit Roblox every time my lupus flares up. Sorry, I can't read. I should lay off the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not safe to get pregnant during a flare. So that generally means I have to take insane doses of steroids and ride it out. I'm caught in a catch-22, or is it catch-21? I never know. Pretty sure it's catch-22. It's catch-22. But I have no idea what the hell catch-22 means. I feel like it's from a book. I think you're right. I think there's a book called catch-22. And I assume it's about someone that's in a position, it's like a rock in a hard place kind of thing, right? Right. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Okay, so she says, I can't see any long-term improvement or remission in my disease because I can't take adequate medication, which would be chemotherapy, which is obviously not safe for trying to conceive. But part of the reason I can't conceive is related to my disease being so active. So that's tough. And she wasn't the only one that talked about a disease being... A roadblock um, or treatment of a disease being a roadblock. I don't know how often her lupus flares up, but the fact that it's not safe to get pregnant when she has a flare and then she has to take all these steroids and ride it out, I'm sure that's like very, it just makes it like very volatile for her because it's not predictable when she can try to get pregnant. Well, and she can't even do the treatment that would be the best for her. Right. Because it's chemotherapy and that can damage your reproductive system and right things like that. And she explained more about lupus, but... Yeah, she did. I just edited some of it for the sake of time, but... Well, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. No, I was too. And I'm glad you, you followed up and asked her about it. Um yeah, because that's tough because she she is in a she is in a catch twenty two because it seems like she can't get resolve for either situation. But yeah, I could see how that would be a roadblock every time you get a flare up. Yeah. The next one is from Molly. She said, "For me, the main roadblock block was getting initial treatment. I live in Australia." which means free healthcare, but long waits to get in. Once I was in, it's been much quicker and easier, but I waited 150 days without a period before I finally got seen by a specialist. Yeah, so in Australia, they're on, what's that called? Universal Universal healthcare. Healthcare, yes. And I remember watching Claire Wolf. It took her forever to get into a doctor to get the surgery for her septum or septate mm. uterus, something like that. And so that would be very frustrating. That would be very frustrating. But yay for free treatment. Yeah, it's there. 
that's another catch 22 if you ask me it's like yeah um okay cool i have access to quote free health care but i can't access the free health care <laughs> it's yeah. like be careful what you wish, wish for with universal health care no health care system is perfect but it seems like i mean that this is not an uncommon theme with countries that have universal health care that wait times are longer and you think about where I mean we're sort of trying to move in that direction in the United States but we're not there yet and our wait times are already long so it worries me that that piece of it would only get worse and I don't know yeah I don't want to wait Nobody wants to wait, but also nobody, nobody wants to wait, but not everybody can afford. <laughs> Infertility treatment. Infertility right. treatments. Yeah. Oh, you mean just... like biologically they can't wait to? Yeah. I feel like you can't afford biologically to wait as long as some people are required and, and, uh, yeah, it's just... It's like a crapshoot. It's just a crapshoot. <laughs> it is. Uh, insurance. Ugh, don't it's get like me started. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. You need it, but you hate it. <laughs> kind Especially of when your insurance is bad. Yeah. I mean, ugh, I like don't, mine. Yeah. That is frustrating, Molly. Uh, our next comment is from Daniela. I don't know if it falls into the roadblock, roadblock category, but here goes. The beginning of 2015, after a year and a half of TTC, we went to a clinic and the doctor barely did any tests. A couple blood tests and an ultrasound of my uterus and ovaries and diagnosed right away, quote, you need to lose weight. No further investigation whatsoever. Fast forward one year. And 102 pounds down, which pause for a we're going to party for you, Daniela. 102 pounds. That is amazing. That is. That is a lot of weight. (laughs) That's incredible. Like, I don't know you, but I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Okay, so fast forward one year later, 102 pounds down. We're back at the clinic. Not only... Not only did she not recognize me, but she was also surprised we didn't get pregnant. And then, quote, ah, well, we have a test called AMH. I don't offer it much because it's more expensive, but you could do it. Um, it's not that expensive. I don't know where she is. Maybe it is where she is. Mm-hmm. AMH is the anti-mullerian hormone, which That's right. determines your ovarian reserve, basically right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, And then so she writes, Jesus, (laughs) let the patient decide if it's expensive or not. And consider my age back then should should have been the first thing to be testing either way. Too bad I didn't know back then. The good side was that the was the weight loss. But we could have saved money. Meanwhile, considering considering we have to do IVF, by the way, IVF last year didn't work. Oh, sorry, Aww. Daniela. <sighs> but yeah, I think she's like 
upset that the doctor was like, well, you could do this test, but didn't tell her about it because she assumed she didn't want to pay for it. That's stupid. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those... Before the doctor leaves the room to just say, is there anything else we could be testing for? Even if it's not covered by my insurance or even if it's not something you normally do, maybe you should just ask for it. And That's just... a normal test. I know. <laughs> it was probably an OBGYN. <laughs> probably. Which are great at catching babies, I would hope. We've said it a thousand times. <sighs> but I'm just going to focus on all that weight you lost, Daniela, which is amazing. That is. And it's awesome for your health and your fertility. So way to go. I'm super proud of you. And it's just impressive. Yeah. What's your? What did you do? I want to hear more about it. Like, how did you do that? Sorry if you hear fireworks. <laughs> Happy Independence Day, everyone. Happy day after Independence Day. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this next one is from Sarah. My so roadblocks. So many Sarahs in the So Facebook many. Group. Not me. A different Sarah. Yeah. So many. Okay. So my roadblocks have been getting my THS down when we discovered I am hypothyroid. It took oh. six months. What? You are reading, there's two Sarahs. There are? Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. <laughs> there's so many Sarahs that we're mixing them up in our episode outline. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the Sarahs that are listening are going to get confused. Like, did I say that or did a different Sarah say that? Am I one Am person? I Sarah? <laughs> right. Are we all the same? I mean, being? Sarah, it doesn't matter. Just keep going with that one. We can go back to it. I just wanted to point out your mistake. Sorry. <laughs> I had my browser pulled down to the second Sarah, not the first one. Because I saw good. Sarah. Anyway. Go okay, for it. Okay, so she got, she's hyped. Thyroid. It took six months and delayed starting IVF. In between IVF cycles, in my first two miscarriages, I had abnormal bleeding and had to go in for a hysteroscopy, which delayed my third frozen embryo transfer. We've put off doing a fourth frozen embryo transfer recently, so my RE could consult an expert in recurrent pregnancy loss. Which is obviously a good thing, but when you're 35 and just want to be a mom so badly, the waiting is excruciating. And now I have to delay a little longer to implement some of the recommendations. I hope I can look back on this trying time and say it was worth it someday. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will, Sarah. Yes. It's teaching I you I felt all like you were talking to me. <laughs> I'm talking to both of you. <laughs> I should know that you're not talking to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's one of those things like she's saying her, it took six months to get her thyroid under control or whatever, delayed mm -hmm. her starting IVF. But it's like, 
it's good that you got that under control. So in the moment because when you have a delay, it sucks. But, but it's so much better for your it's, baby. It's so much better. If your thyroid is taken care of because... I read about thyroid hypothyroidism when you're pregnant, and it can be pretty bad on the baby. So it's yeah. good that you have your thyroid worked out there. Right. Um, I six months. Yeah, I guess it, it's different for everybody um, to get it under control. But I, I. 100% can relate to this because I was one of those people that had so many delays. You know this about my history. Sarah. Yeah. Um, you did. You talking to me? Yes. I'm, ta I'm talking to you this time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Sarahs. <laughs> and they all have H's. <laughs> Most of them. There is one with no H. Yeah. So far. <laughs> I'm sure there will be more. Sarah's are like in the Facebook group for like cockroaches where there's one, there's a thousand. <laughs> do you think um, it has something to do with the Bible? <laughs> yeah. You were anyway. You know what? We, we are getting off topic. We are getting off topic, but Sarah is like the OG infertility survivor. That's what I'm saying. Sir. Abraham's wife, who was like 90 when she got pregnant. Any RE would be like, you're wasting your time, sister. God was How like, How are nope. you not dead? <laughs> right. Right. Especially so, in those times. Yeah. I feel like they... Ha anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> we are. Anyway. We're getting off topic. I was m talking about how, like, finding out that I needed to treat something delayed me. In my case, when I started fertility treatments, I already knew about my hypothyroidism. But what delayed me was my immune therapy or, like, finding out that I had all these immune issues. And that, like, severely delayed me. Not That delayed me and my job delayed me um, mm. just logistically. And I remember it being so frustrating to wait. I just, I don't know. I can relate to the, it feeling like a lot to wait for a treatment to get under control. But like you said, in the long run, that's what you want to do because it's best for you and the baby. So it seems like a lot right now, but you're really, you're doing the best thing. So that's good. Yes. Um, okay, so our next Sarah <laughs> says she called our clinic to schedule for August and was told we're all booked for transfers in August. So we have to wait another month. While a month in the grand scheme of things doesn't seem that long, by the time we do the transfer, it will be three years we've been trying to conceive. I feel like I'm in the current cycle of hurrying up to wait. Yeah. They if they already are filled up, that's, yeah, I, <laughs> that seems like a lot of people for a couple months out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's one of those clinics that's just in a big city and there's one or two doctors. Who yeah, knows? I was going to say, I, 
I could see that happening at the clinic that I was at. I mean, but I could yeah. imagine like if you're planning in your mind, this is when I want to do it. And then you call the doctor and they're like, nope. <laughs> I called them at the same amount of time that she would have called and they're like oh we haven't even made the schedule yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder where this sarah is from because i i feel like mine it was the same way like you had to i wouldn't have been surprised if my clinic was like uh we can't do any more transfers this month especially if they kind of have an idea when it'll happen and they know that's their patient load but all that to say it sucks it's just one of those like makes you feel like why can't i just have sex and get pregnant because i i'm at i'm at the mercy of my clinic schedule which is super annoying yeah that's really annoying yeah super annoying okay courtney this next one courtney (laughs) omg i'm so type a should i do that in a valley girl voice I have a planner and plan my days out in advance to the hour. Wow. Infertility has definitely been a learning experience for me in that I've had to learn how to let go of control. Control of timing, control of how my body reacts to the medicine, control of the outcomes of treatment. Nothing but endless waiting. I keep telling myself that maybe I had to go through this to teach my type A self that when I have children... It'll be harder to stick to a schedule and be in control all the time. <laughs> I I don't know. I am not type A, so I cannot. Uh, yeah, neither one of us are type A personalities, but I think as a type A person, you will probably thrive as a mama. <laughs> yeah. Schedules are good for kids. They so. love them. Right? <laughs> right. I don't know. Mine's still awake and it's 1039. <laughs> <laughs> no it's i mean i see her point you're you're right you can't plan everything <laughs> when it comes to kids but i think your type a personality will serve you well someday yeah <laughs> and i love planners i get them but then i don't use them i don't either i'm i i like i'll buy a planner and like, oh, look at this cute planner. It's got these cool colors. It's I got, got some the, stickers. Then, I write one day. Right. <laughs> and then I forget I have it. Right. Or better yet, I lose it. <laughs> That's what happens to me. Um, I think she is right, though, about this experience teaching her that you do lose con- some control with fertility treatments like you don't you are so not in control of most of what's happening so it's kind of a good lesson to learn you know yes yeah you're definitely not in control (laughs) no so it's good to learn that lesson of like letting go so tell us what courtney says yeah yeah, there's another Courtney. You Courtneys and Sarahs just need to slow your roll. Okay. <laughs> um, for the hubby and I, the biggest roadblock we've had to overcome so far, which it, which in many ways we hope is also going to be our saving grace, was the 12-month wait we just hit in March 
for me to fully recover from bariatric surgery since our surgeon and doctors had told us no fertility specialist would even look at our file until at least a year post-op. Whoa. Which I wouldn't take back for a second. I'm so much healthier and ready to dive back into this adventure. The wait has been tough, especially for my hubby, but hopefully worth it in the end. Like so many of the ladies I follow in these groups, I too suffer from PCOS. I was diagnosed at 20 and knew that infertility could one day be a struggle for me. Fast forward to 23, newly married and ready to start our family. After about 18 months of trying on our own, tracking cycles, countless blood tests, the dreaded encounters with Wanda, mm -hmm, (laughs) traveling from Nevada to see specialists in Salt Lake City, six cycles of letrozole, still only ovulating twice that we knew, there had to be another step before IUI or IVF. Two of our doctors recommended the gastric sleeve after years of weight loss medications, workout DVDs, and countless diets. They said this could drastically increase our chances of having a family of our own if I could get my BMI to a much healthier number. Sorry, I know this is long, but I think it's really good. (laughs) Um, So March 2017, I had my surgery. April of this year, we met with our newest doctor who is having me try three cycles of letrozole again, as that is the only thing that's ever gotten me to ovulate. And amazingly, the first cycle I actually ovulated. I was so stoked and eager to begin again. And to be honest, I think Hubs was even more excited. Fingers crossed this is our year. (laughs) Currently at 7 DPO and truly hoping for the best. So much love and great vibes sent out to every person in the TTC community. Thank you all for helping me stay strong and positive even when I thought I was at my breaking point. You are all amazing. Aww. Yeah. That's Thanks, so sweet. Courtney. Yeah. But she, I thought that was worth sharing because she has been through obviously an enormous roadblock with her weight loss and bariatric surgery because. A whole she, year. Yeah. Well, she had to have the surgery and then they, she said her doctors told her a fertility specialist wouldn't even look at her until she was at least a year post-op. So it's like more than a year before she can even see a fertility doctor that is an uh that's a major roadblock and it is like i love your positive attitude i'm also super proud of you like that's awesome that you did that for yourself and for your health and i love that you say you wouldn't take anything back and you're happy that you're healthier and it just sounds awesome and i i hope for the best for you courtney how long ago did she write she was 7 DPO? I don't know. Because we're not reading it in Facebook, so I'm not sure. It's been a yeah, while. I'm not sure either. It's been a, it's been a few days. Yeah, more. I wonder how that's going. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully she comes back and updates. Yeah, give us an update, Courtney. All right. KJ. Past roadblocks were deployments, money, referrals, money, moving, (laughs) starting all over again with doctors. Now I've seen two gins, OBGYNs, for pelvic pain and waiting for referrals again. One brings up that they should check out my one too because it should work. Now my head thinks there is a chance again and my heart isn't ready to face the emotional roller coaster of any, any of it 
again. And I refuse to go through it without answers from our past losses. So I guess I'm the roadblock. Not to mention it would be nice to get a real diagnosis for the constant pain. Yeah, that would be nice. Mm -hmm. We still want to adopt regardless, but roadblocks there to trying to get into the classes in my country to get things rolling. I wonder if she's had a laparoscopic surgery yet for the pain. Yeah, but it sounds like, so she says, I guess I'm the roadblock because she wants answers. So she doesn't want to keep going until she has answers about her pelvic pain and her loss, which... She's the one in the Marines, right? Uh, Navy? Oh, shoot. She's in the... Wait. She's the Navy. Navy. Yeah. She's in the Navy. Because she was on the boat. (laughs) I know. I was just talking to a former Marine about this, and he admittedly was like, I know it's confusing because some of us are on boats, and some are in the air, and some are in both, and some are on land, and some are doing intelligence. And Yeah, I was going to say, Marines are, like, everywhere. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's in the Navy. Okay. So, um, I'm sorry, KJ, if we're getting this wrong. Please tell us, because we want to get your story right (laughs) yes Um, have you had a laparoscopic surgery is my question i i feel like uh her being her own roadblock though is like a good thing because she wants answers before she keeps going forward with things that haven't maybe worked in the past you know I think sometimes you do need to be your own roadblock to, like, figure out what the hell is going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. Totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to be your own roadblock, even though it still sucks. You don't sometimes want you have to be. Sometimes <laughs> you have to be the responsible one. Right. <laughs> in your head. And just in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I hope I, I said kn- that right. Like, No, have- I think yeah. I do know what you're saying. Like, here's the yeah. thing. Every doctor you see sees lots of other patients. That's why we always say you have to be your best advocate because they only have so much time and energy to give to each person. You have a lot more time and energy to give to your own situation than any doctor does. So be your best advocate. Sarah's doing the nod again. (laughs) I don't have anything to add besides yes. I know. I love when you nod in agreement on the podcast. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Yes. 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 (laughs) I'll do it with each nod. Read our last one. Guess what? It's from (sighs) Another Sarah. But this one doesn't have an H. So it's different. She'll know who she is. (laughs) She's different. Right. (laughs) Oh, this is a good one. That's what she said. No, I mean, that's what Sarah said. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely used to be the one, used to be one of those type A people. And in some ways, I still am. However, this is one of the many ways infertility has changed me. I've come to terms with the fact that I can't control this process. And for my own sanity, I have to go with the flow. I never thought I would find reasons to be grateful during this process, but I have. 
Before infertility, I had a much harder time accepting change and uncertainty. And some days I still do, but this whole thing has changed who I am and what I value and I choose to see it as a positive. Good for you, Sarah. I think it's great. I I do too. thought we could end on that one because it's such a positive slant on uh, how crappy like changes and surprises can be and you know the fact that she says I've come to terms with the fact that I can't control this process and for my own sanity I have to go with the flow and I think that's great advice for anyone who's trying to conceive or going through infertility treatments because it rarely just goes according to plan and I feel like that should be the takeaway for this episode right I feel like if you know that you're better prepared for it stuff from infertility (laughs) (laughs) yeah you learn things you learn things (laughs) and those are all the comments we're reading (laughs) yeah thank you guys for sharing your comments felt like a lot of those were great and really helpful yeah so next we're gonna do out, out of the box out of the box out, out of the out box, of the box. <laughs> i feel like that's too happy of a song really for this out of the box no oh, it's fine sarah it's gonna be fine it's fine it's, it's fine. fine okay it's fine <laughs> it's fine okay so it's one of those like when you say it's fine over and over again it starts to sound funny <laughs> it's fine but that it's not fine okay so <laughs> we received an email yesterday from someone who is very very upset about our episode on iui which was the episode 22 the turkey baster method so, do you have anything you want to add before I start? No, other than that, um, other than to say that we told this person that we would address it on the podcast so that everyone understands how she feels and how we feel. And also to add that Sarah and I both sent her a uh, an apology and we are very sorry that she was upset i feel Um, like it was like an empathetic email back to her yeah because we are we are sad that she's upset yeah Uh, so we we wanted to share some of the comments that she shared with us so and if i laugh it's because you're awkward and uncomfortable uncomfortable (laughs) Not because I'm a jerk. It's your it's your way of dealing with uncomfortable situations, which this is. <laughs> okay, okay. So, the first thing, the first quote, you really need to change your name to the IVF Mafia because those are the only people you show support to. All right. Um, the next one is IUI is my only option because that's all my insurance will cover and you spent the entire time trashing it and the people who conceive on it. We definitely did not trash people who conceive on IUI because I said, I think it's great when people do. Yeah. 
I just I, don't think IUIs have a very good success rate. No, it's not a matter of think. It's just a statistical fact. They don't have a high success rate. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try them for whatever reason. I felt like I advocated for them quite a bit in that episode, and I did too myself and said that I, I did not regret doing it. And I think they're a great option for people that are good candidates for IUI, but it doesn't change the fact that statistically, even if you are a good candidate, they still have a low success rate. So I think we just want people to be fully aware of that. It just is what it is. It's just not the most effective fertility treatment. But on the other hand, we talked about the pros of it being much less expensive and much less invasive. So it's not that we don't support it. We just want everybody to have all the facts before they do it. I'm sorry if that like upsets you that we said that, but it just is a fact that they don't have a high success rate. Um, no, and I think it's great when people conceive using IU. Uh, I think absolutely. It's, I think I'm, it's great when people conceive spontaneously. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> like I would rather everyone like not even know what infertility is and not know like have a reason to listen to this podcast right i wish that we didn't have to do this we don't have I mean, to we do don't this. have to do it you know what i mean i wish i wish it wasn't even a thing because i wish every i i would wish infertility on no one um correct and i definitely was not trashing people who conceived on it on yeah, a we didn't IUIs. We didn't trash anyone, and if we made anyone feel that way. You know uh, who we trashed in that episode? No, that one doctor in the 1800s. <laughs> right. Who thought that women ovulated when they had their periods. Yeah, the guy who did the IUIs on the women with periods, we definitely trashed him. So I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this next one. This next quote is my favorite and it was what really, really got us the most. Uh, you are what's wrong with the infertility community. The community is so divided because anyone that's further in their journey is treated like they were beneath someone that has done IVF or that they didn't have real infertility. So she said that we said that people who didn't do IVF are beneath people who did do IVF. Which, huh? No. Anyway, yeah. anything to add to that, Kayla? No, I just, um, the whole, <laughs> I feel, I, I don't know, I feel very, I feel bad that she was so upset, but that, you are what's wrong with the infertility community, that's unfair. <laughs> Thank you for that. I I think that that one really cuts deep because I feel like we're nothing but supportive of people in the infertility community and we want nothing but for people to reach that goal of parenthood and and we wanted like a funny place for <laughs> people to come and like everything with infertility is so like such a drag you know yeah it's all sad 
it can really be a drag. Uh, and you're right. So we, one of I our choose goals, not to live like that. Yeah, we don't want to live like that. We don't want to be in that space all the time. We didn't. We didn't when we were going through the treatments. I feel like that's how I feel like that's why Sarah and I connected to each other because we didn't want to sit in the sad space all the time. Um, So one of our goals with this podcast is to try to mix in some humor and, and lightheartedness with it. But I mean, let's face it, like infertility blows and sometimes you just really need to laugh. Yeah, it. and Some, sometimes to yeah. keep from crying, but yeah, that's not always an easy thing to do with the topic of infertility to try to mix humor. So something that we're just joking about could sometimes be construed as making fun of or making light of someone's very real and si- and serious situation. It's an emotionally charged subject, obviously, but. We never joke with the intent to offend or hurt someone. And I don't think that we have made jokes about infertility, like infertile people's situations or infertile people. No. Like I hurtful jokes. I would hope not. And if we have, then... Yeah, let us know. You can call us out. Like we're we're bound to make mistakes. Like who who among us has ever, you know, n- who among us has never said anything that they regretted sometime? Like I'm sure we've said things we regret. But that I just I don't know. I'm just we're putting it out there to you guys like that is obviously not our intent to make anyone feel less than or like we don't support them or like we're trying to divide this community because you know the only people we support are people who have gone through IVF that's just not true um we we're supportive of anyone in the infertility community no matter how much or how long they've struggled with trying to conceive or fertility treatments maybe it was that IVF giveaway that set her off what do you mean? Because we did the giveaway and it was like an IVF care package. Well, okay. I, <laughs> I'm i sorry that we're giving free shit away. I don't know what I'm... Anyway, so, and then the last thing I will tell you about her email is she said, you should be apologizing to your listeners for being so dismissive to people at different steps in their journey. Okay. I am sorry that you felt like we were being dismissive. That you're, you are entitled to your opinion. A hundred percent. Um, that was absolutely not our intent. But if that's how we made you feel, or anyone else that's listening, I apologize. <laughs> Again, I'll say it again. We are 100% supportive of anyone going through infertility, no matter how long or what treatment you're doing. And especially in the Facebook group. Like, people come with questions. If we can answer them, we do. 
we're just trying to show you support. We just want you to get to that goal of having a family, which is what you want. Like that's all, that's all we care. We don't care what treatment you're doing. We don't think doing IVF means you struggled more. Like Sarah, you Um, just. Because I jumped IVF. Like, yeah, I didn't do, I was fast tracked to IVF because of my tubes. Right. You've even so, said before, like, I don't feel like I suffered as much as some people, quote, suffered as much as some people. And that's like, just. It was a quicker amount of time than someone who's been TT, like, than your situation. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or any, <laughs> that's the thing. I've said this, I don't even know what podcast it was, but I know I've said before, the comparison game is very dangerous game to play because someone has always had it better than you and someone has always had it worse and yeah so you just shouldn't play that game but you should also know everyone no matter where they are in their experience with infertility their feelings are valid they're they're struggling wherever they are um and we know that and that's, that's I've why said we- in I've said in other episodes that the beginning months like when you're first starting to ttc are almost some of the worst ones because you have hope (laughs) right yeah so So, i've never said that people who do ivf suffer more no we've never said that and i i'm i'm sorry that this person was so upset and uh, believe me i felt we both we felt bad and we're sorry that that it was upsetting and I mean, you felt a little bit more bad than I did because I was like, really? <laughs> I I did feel bad that she was so upset. Um, I mean, she told us that we made her feel like shit. That's true. Which obviously is not what you want to hear when you, you're trying to do the opposite. You're trying to uplift people and give them encouragement. Um, so, so, yeah, of course I felt bad that that she took it so personally at the same time I do stand by what we said in the episode um and so that's why I think we felt like it was important to address it just just to make sure that it was clear to everyone really our motivation and why why we're doing this and even though we may make mistakes or there might be things you disagree with us on which is fine it's okay if we have differing opinions like Sarah and I disagree with each other sometimes that's okay but as long as I mean I felt like it was important for us to talk about this because we just wanted to make sure that everyone really understood our intent with doing this podcast which is to give you guys support because we love you and we love this community and we're glad that you're here and you will always have our support 100% Yes to all of that. <laughs> you said it in a very elegant, eloquent way. <laughs> eloquent way. <laughs> eloquent way. So let's finish up with something a little lighter, which is from one of my favorite people, Steph. The Canadian. She has a jerk-off room story. <laughs> Guys, course. I love jerk-off room stories. She loves jerk-off rooms. Sometimes she just goes and hangs out in there. (laughs) 
I have a slight, I mean, I have like an unhealthy obsession <laughs> with jerk off room stories. <laughs> I want more people to send me jerk off room stories. So Ooh, you are asking for some weird stuff well, to come your I, way. The weirder the better. She shared it on the post in the Facebook group about the episode that we did on sperm. I keep reading the first sentence and then it makes me laugh. Uh, do you want me to read it? I'll read it. I got it. Okay. I got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I need another sip of wine. <laughs> Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Sarah keeps laughing. Um, okay. So my husband... <laughs> Guys, this one had us rolling. Okay. I have to cover up Sarah so I can't see her face. Okay. So my husband caught the screw edge of the sample bottle with his penis while he was providing his sample. Oh, boy. It hurt enough that he let out a little noise. (laughs) And the sperm nurse is like two feet from the door of the jerk-off room. So he had to shame hand her the sample, knowing full well it sounded like he was enjoying himself so much that he let out a big moan. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm just imagining it right there's some guy there's some poor guy who's like getting his penis sliced by the screw edge of this bottle and the nurse outside thinks he's like you know (laughs) he's really enjoying it he's really like he's really into the jerk off room ah (laughs) oh man oh man i so that's the story (laughs) i hoped that everyone thought that was as funny as we did or this is really awkward (laughs) steph thank you for being in our life (laughs) yeah just imagine it in your head just imagine (laughs) what i just read in your head thank you for sharing that with us steph we needed thank you we needed that right now (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay join our closed facebook group called the infertile mafia follow us on instagram at infertile mafia podcast feel free to send an email to infertilemafia.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear lots of talk about eggs and balls and stuff that's infertilemafia at gmail.com. What did I say? You just said infertilemafia.com. <laughs> That's not a website, is it? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, okay. In our next episode, guys, we're actually, for real, for reals, going to talk about IVF. I'm not blue balling you this time. <laughs> we're going to. Better not be. I'm not. We're going to talk about IVF. We're going to give you the cliff notes on IVF, like the crash course, everything you need to know about heading into an IVF cycle. So that's what we're doing next time. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. (laughs) Okay, guys, we love you. Thanks so much for joining. 
The Infertile Mafia. The Infertile Mafia. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye.